Thank you so much, choir. It's beautiful, powerful. Um, really, uh, with all the liturgy and all the prayers that we've done and the songs that we've sung and heard, I really, I don't, I can go short today. Um, really, all I have to do is say, uh, you know, uh, is is to say if we could just focus on Emmanuel as intently as Gus was focusing on Linda, we'd all be in better shape, right? Um, how awesome is that? But isn't that one of our story? This God who flung the stars and made this big blue and brown earth that we get to be a part of for a short time has come close, has become Emmanuel, God with us. Now, last week we talked about a priest who needed to be quiet, right? And to settle down and, and let, the, let the water and the silt sink to the bottom so that, so that he could listen and to be there. And today, today we meet Joseph, a good man, a righteous man, trying to do the right thing, getting excited about the next 63 years and more with his new wife and gets the weirdest news possible she is expecting. I've titled this Joseph the Dutiful, but I think a better title, thinking about it, would be Joseph the Aware. Aware. Joseph, of course, was trying to do the right thing. He could look in his Torah, and he had a couple of options. He could do the, like, the real hard vengeance option, which was to have her stoned and ridiculed. Could have done that. If he hadn't believed Mary, hadn't believed the dream. But he chose for something a little, a little more, well, a lot more merciful. He thought, maybe, maybe I could dismiss her, divorce her quietly. So back in the day when you were betrothed or even when you were married, uh, there was still a time, a time of preparation. It gave, it gave somebody like Joseph a chance to start building that new house. Maybe he was working on his house, his little 3-2, you know, getting ready for Mary. And then all of a sudden, the weirdest, most disturbing news. He dreams. Angel comes to him a dream. Fear not, Joseph, for Mary is with child of the Holy Spirit, Emmanuel, and you're going to get to name him Jesus. Now briefly, let me take you back 733 years before, about, give or take, before this. You see, there's an Old Testament passage. There's a guy named King Ahaz, and he was a horrible leader of Israel. But he had a prophet, Isaiah. And there were two nations trying to destroy Israel at the time, and he wanted to get after it. He wanted to meet force with force, meet bombs with bombs, and he was ready to go to war. Isaiah said, wait, wait, wait. God has got a word. And Isaiah said, don't do anything. You, you won't see these countries. They'll be off the face of the earth in, in, in two years. And Ahaz said, I, I don't care. I'm going to do my own thing. Isaiah said, well, do you want a sign? God has a sign. He says, I don't want a sign. And Isaiah said, 
well, let me share it with you anyway since you're so hard-headed. There will be a young woman who will bear a child and his name will be Emmanuel. And before he is weaned and before he's eating solid foods, those two countries that you're all worried about will be no more. And you know what Ahaz did? He ignored it. He ignored it. Ahaz determined to go alone. He determined to go alone. He chose to ignore this child named Emmanuel in 733 B.C. So what does Ahaz, what does he have to do with this message from Isaiah? Ahaz ignores it. He just ignores it. He's going to do it his own way. God, at this point, is in an interference and is an annoyance. And he is not going to be inconvenient since he's got a great army. We're going to do what we want. Ahaz ignored Emmanuel. Now, ignoring God is not uncommon this time of year, right? We get so busy with everything that we've got to do, with our to-do list, with everything we do. We can get so busy that we forget. We forget what Christmas is all about. And I am guilty as charged for ignoring Emmanuel too. My concern for us and for myself is how much and how often I ignore God with us. And then I just do what I want. So Emmanuel shows up again, but this time you shall name him Jesus, the one who came to save us. And he decides, again, to put her away quietly. But, but, this time, instead of Ahaz ignoring Emmanuel, Joseph listens and he responds and he lets his life flip upside down and enters into the trauma of this family, into the trauma of this time. Joseph says yes to God. Joseph says yes to Emmanuel. You know, the rabbis of old, when they look at the very first story, Adam and Eve, you remember it, they disobeyed. God said you can enjoy everything, you can do everything, but look, do not, eat, uh, do not eat of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. Just one thing, right? And it all, it all went sideways. The rabbis say that this, what, they don't call it original sin, they call it the original delusion. That is, I can do it myself. I fall into the idol of being a DIY Jesus follower. And it never works that way. But Joseph says, yes, I will do it with this family and we will go. And Emmanuel, the angel says, will save people from their sins. It's where we, we get the Hebrew word Joshua, the one who came to save. And he will save us from our sins. He'll take my life and your life and our lives and the life of this church and he'll work with it. Emmanuel might deal with my own self-righteousness or smugness or anger or my addiction to convenience and comfort or my bearing grudges. He will save me too from all of the things that I love which make me less than human. Emmanuel wants to transform me and you and us. And what about Mary? What does it mean 
that Mary's going to bear Emmanuel. It means that the divine is going to work through her in the most unique way. Give her a human being, fully God, fully human. A human, human beings can't create the divine, but the divine God can use us to create a divine spark. You will bear a son who will be the savior of the world. God is going to birth a divine through a human being. Greek Orthodox, they call it theotokos, God-bearers, God-smugglers. And Mary gets to go through this because she said yes to the angel. She goes to get, does this in such a unique and amazing way, but she shows us that we too can say yes to God and bear the life of God in this world. Maybe I too can be a channel of the divine. God can change me and make me fully human. I can be a channel of God's love Joy and brightness. Isn't that what Christmas is all about? That Emmanuel has come close to you and to me. So that we get to be part of the action. We get to be part of this divine drama being played out. As we trust in Jesus. The divine finds its home on 621 Dooling Avenue. And in your heart and in my heart. The temple has long been destroyed, but God has found the temple in our hearts and in our community. God is moving into the neighborhood. God has come close. Yesterday, a lot of us clergy went and really experienced another incredibly painful deal. It's disaffiliations. I'm just, I'm, that word is just, just wearing me down. But there we are, 142 churches left, and it was downright depressing and sad. It was difficult. And right at the end, I don't know if people caught it. Like the whole thing is like, are we aware enough to see Emmanuel in our midst? I don't know if people caught it, but there were some young girls, part of Anderson UMC, and they were dancing. And they came out in their white dresses. And I don't know what it was about them, how they moved their heads, moved their bodies, moved their faces. But there was one moment where I saw pure joy come out of their faces as they moved their bodies to joy to the world. They weren't much older than Mary. My goodness, they radiated God and God shone through them. It was just a glimpse. It was just a little lightning in the dark against the background. But just for a moment, I thought, life can be good. Life is sacred. There is hope. And life goes on, even in a nasty divorce. God is present through other people. It happens. Do you see Emmanuel, are you open to Emmanuel? Is your heart and is your life open to the next place God will be in his great disguise? God is right in front of us. I was momentarily overjoyed just for a moment. Anne Lamott, author, says that if a straw, little straw, is floating in the ocean. I hate the image of that because there's way too much plastic in the ocean, but bear with me. She says if, if a straw is aligned with the tide of the ocean, the entire ocean flows through that straw. That's maybe what Emmanuel is in this story. God flowing through Joseph, who is aware enough to say yes when God shows up. Or to Mary when she said yes. Yes, I wonder sometimes 
Maybe when we're baptizing an infant and lots of visitors here, what do they see about St. Luke's? Just a few weeks ago, there were all these pink and green backpacks. Do people look at that and go, oh, wow, okay, look, just a bunch of backpacks. Or when they walk by, they said, wow, this is kind of a messy corner here of all these jackets. It's a little messy right here. Do they see a mess? Or do they see Emmanuel? Do do they see that these jackets are going to go on people who are homeless and without a house in Jackson? Do they see... Did they see that these backpacks were going to go to Honduras, to students, the poorest of the poor, who need notebooks and pencils? What do they see? But even more so, what do we see, those of us who've been at St. Luke's for a long time? Have we forgotten that God is close, even in the smallest things, that Emmanuel is sneaking up to us, and our call is to be aware And it's to wake up. It's to wake up. Isaiah sees Emmanuel as a sign. And when the community sees us, does it see a sign? When they see St. Luke's, do they see a bright light in a dark and frightened world? God flowing through our church like the ocean through a straw. Or when we go to Grace Place. Or when you're out doing your thing, do they see God? What are we to make of Emmanuel? Just like Ahaz and Joseph, we've got a choice. We can make nothing of Emmanuel. We can ignore Emmanuel. Or or we can see it. We can see that God is with us and as close to you as our jugular and as the next breath that you take. So what do you see? On CBS this morning... um, Barbara Nunley, she owns a ranch in Texas. It's about 30 miles northwest of Dallas, Texas. you got to kind of drive, get off of I-35 and take a really dark road. uh, And you go and it's spindly. And the 10 beautiful anchors of farmland. And one sort of ugly looking pecan tree. But it's big. And it sits all alone. And when Barbara was getting her house ready, she called the Christmas Lights Company there in, um, in this little town, Bentonville, Texas. And they were going to decorate her home, and they said, you know, that, that pecan tree right there, is, we could light that up and make that spectacular. And she said, well, how expensive is spectacular? And they said, well, 65,000 lights is a lot. She said, I can't afford spectacular. But then Barbara's father began to become sick and his days were numbered. And so she called up the Christmas light company and she said, I want to light that tree up for my dad on Thanksgiving. So they came and they put 65,000 lights on that crickety pecan tree in the middle of 10 acres beside the road. And it turns out that her dad was too sick to come that night. They, they didn't want to see it. The family didn't want to see the tree lighted up. Uh, and so uh, they said, ma'am, you just push this button right here. And on that night, they went ahead and lit it with the whole family there. And it was spectacular. And it was beautiful. And when the night fell, it glowed into dark. And pretty soon, people started 
taking a knee and proposing under that tree at night. Every year, they turn that tree on from Thanksgiving to Christmas. One night, they got a letter on the legal pad. Hey, do you mind if I, if I propose? They would get cards, playing cards, nine of hearts. I don't know what's significant about that number, but she has a whole bunch of cards there. She told the reporters, she said, when they said, well, are you sad that your dad never got to see the tree? She said, oh, he saw it. He saw it. He just had a different view, but he saw it. He saw it. And I think about that tree in the middle of nowhere north of Dallas, Texas. That pecan tree that's lit up. Let me ask you this. What is your pecan tree? What is your Emmanuel? And what do you need to light up so that others can find light and life in it? Because at the end of the day, the question is this. Are you going to be seeking out Emmanuel like Gus looks at Linda? And if you are, you will know the good news of what it means when we say, God is with us. Be aware. Let us pray. Lord God, help us to be aware of your presence. Help us to wake up to where you are closer to us than our next breath. So that we too might be a light to the world. So that we too, like Joseph and Mary, might say yes to you. Even if it is expensive. Help us never ever turn down spectacular that you hold out for us. It's costly, but it's priceless. In your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to turn to page 12 as we share in our... Um, invitation and confession.